Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Three, two, one. When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer. Jim Calhoun, NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Tuesday, June 22nd, 2021, people. And you got yourselves a bonus episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. And you're probably sitting there wondering, what did I do? How did I get this bonus episode? How did I get so lucky? Is it Christmas in June? No, it's not Christmas in June. Here is why we're doing a bonus episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Normally this time of year, we really just do the two episodes a week, the Monday-Thursday deal, and we get out of here. Not a ton to talk about. But the thing is, is that Monday's episode, if you listened, it was basically a nerd fest. We had the historic Supreme Court uh, ruling that happened Monday morning. I brought on my buddy Dan Lust, who is a very smart guy. He is, of course, a lawyer and really did a great job of breaking down what happened. But we didn't really talk sports. And this is the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. And so there was a couple things that happened this weekend that I do want to talk about. The first one, actually a byproduct of the Supreme Court ruling. Uh, after I finished recording, I did a couple radio interviews and one topic came up. Is Mark Emmert the worst leader in the history of sports? And I think the answer is yes. So I'm going to talk about that. From there, we'll talk about this awesome College World Series, which has been absolutely incredible to watch. And finally, we will wrap with actually a little bit of NBA. And as a little bit of backstory, again, this is not an NBA podcast. I'm not trying to make it an NBA podcast. I'm not claiming that I know more about the Sixers salary cap or the Hawks uh, pack line defense. But look, there were two incredible Game 7s. I've covered all of these guys. I've, I've, I've inter- I interviewed Trey Young when he was 15 years old. I, I interviewed Ben Simmons when he was at LSU. This is a big college hoops podcast. You guys know who Ben Simmons is. You know who Trey Young is. You know who Devin Booker is. So we'll just talk about some fun NBA stuff to kind of wrap, just what we've seen in the playoffs so far, what has intrigued me. Uh, and again, if you missed Monday's episode, I do encourage you to go back because it was a lot about the landmark Supreme Court case. Kind of with that said, let's get into it. There is no more time to waste. And I do want to start with what I believe is the topic of the day. And the topic of the day is really, again, an extension of what happened on Monday's episode. Monday, if you missed it, go back and listen. I just mentioned it. My buddy Dan Lust, he is a lawyer, sports law expert, and he came on to talk about this Supreme Court ruling that happened with the NCAA. Essentially, if you missed the show, I will give you the Reader's Digest version. And the Reader's Digest version is this. 
the Supreme Court smacked the NCAA in the face. They basically said, look, you guys have been operating this way for 100 years. The game has changed. The money has changed. And you need to change how you operate. And on Monday's show, Dan and I talked a lot about the different variables. What does it mean for name image likeness? Will we ever see a day where college athletes are employees of schools? Uh, at some point, I'm sure I'll talk about what it means for the Olympic sports, what happens for, to the women's sports, because I do think that Monday's Supreme Court ruling completely changed all of that. But what happened was, after I did the podcast, I had a bunch of radio interviews. Everybody's trying to get a piece of Torres. And one question that kind of came up was like, like, how did we get here, right? We, we, we all had this vision of what college sports was 10, 12, 15, 20, 25 years ago when we grew up. How did we get to this point that the Supreme Court has to get involved and that they basically told the NCAA, the way that you have done things no longer works, you got to change things up. And one topic that appeared effervescent was Mark Emmert, who is the president of the NCAA. Uh, it seems like everything that he does is the wrong decision at the wrong time, the wrong reaction. He doesn't know when to be aggressive. He doesn't know when to be proactive. And it has led us to this moment in time where college sports, as we know it, is completely changing. It has been a huge theme on this podcast really since the end of the, of the college basketball season. And we're not going to break it all down. But my buddy Ryan Fowler in Tuscaloosa, I was on his radio show. He's been on this podcast a number of times. And Ryan asked me kind of a simple question, and I kind of came up with something that I wished I had talked about on the podcast on Monday. And that, that statement, that question was this. Is Mark Emmert the worst leader in the history of sports? And I know that sounds like hyperbole, and I know it sounds like, oh, you know, come on, Torres, you're... But I really thought about it, and I'm not, listen, I'm not an NHL expert. I don't know what Gary Bettman did back in 1997. I know a lot of MLB fans will tell you that Rob Manfred has been terrible for the sport of baseball, but I'm just going to tell you, Mark Emmert is, in my opinion, the worst leader in the history of sports, and college athletics, as we know it, is on the brink changing and, uh, you know, and, and not all in good ways, and it's all because of Mark Emmert. And to be abundantly clear, and we're going to get into all of it, that's not to say that college sports doesn't need to change, that it doesn't need to evolve, that changes don't need to happen. But what I am telling you is that basically he is the wrong person that has been in charge to make all of these monumental catastrophic but these monumental landscape changing decisions and ultimately all these decisions are just for him to continue to get a paycheck continue not to get fired continue to get new contracts and this is where we are where college sports is on the brink of us not even knowing what it looks like going forward a little bit of history lesson on mark emmert comes in in 2010 and again think about how different college sports was in 2010 not saying everything was for the better back in the old days everything was better back in the glory days but you know just think about transferring right you know if you wanted to transfer you had to go in and talk to the coach the coach could restrict where you could go all these different things then you have the transfer portal now you have the one-time transfer rule you have the name image likeness stuff all this stuff and when you think about all these monumental changes and again not all of them are bad like I don't think a coach should be able to restrict where you transfer if you're uh, John Smith and you want to transfer to Tennessee and you're at Memphis and the Memphis coach shouldn't be able to say you can't go to go to Tennessee okay but I bring it up because basically when I look at Mark Emmert's tenure, my problem is this. He is not a leader. 
Every decision that he has made has been reactive instead of proactive. Every decision that he has made, he has waited until the last possible minute. He has hidden out. He has not answered the tough questions. He has not addressed the things that need to be addressed. And when these big monumental changes are coming, the transfers, the name image likeness, all of the stuff that is coming, it only becomes it only comes because he waited so long that the NCA was back so far in a corner they had no choice but to change. Where where at times, if he had been reactive instead of proactive, if he had been forward thinking, if he had been aggressive, if he had been willing to work to solve the greater good rather than maintain the status quo, I believe that college athletics would be in a better place. You want an example? I'm gonna give you an example. How about the name image likeness stuff? For people who have not followed this day-to-day, minute-to-minute, hour-to-hour, it really all started with the Ed O'Bannon case in 2011, okay? And I'm not going to bore you with too many details, but Ed O'Bannon, the former UCLA basketball player, I talked a little bit about it with Dan Lust Lust on Monday's episode, but Ed O'Bannon was this star basketball player, and back 8, 10, 12, 15 years ago, we had these great college sports games EA Sports, you know, NCAA football, NCAA basketball, college basketball, whatever. And I bring it up because one day Ed O'Bannon is playing EA Sports college basketball with his buddies. Ed O'Bannon back in the day actually came on this show and talked about it. But Ed O'Bannon uh, was playing the game with his buddies and his buddy was kind of like, dude, you like like they had kind of these classic iconic teams. So I'm sure, you know, UNLV was on there and the Fab Five or whatever. And so his buddy and him were playing as the 95 UCLA Bruins when Ed O'Bannon played there. And his buddy was kind of like, dude, it's kind of crazy that you are on this video game. It doesn't say your name, but it's your same number. It's your same style of play. It's your same jersey number. It looks exactly like you. Like, this is weird. Like, the NCAA is using your likeness on this video game. And that is essentially where this whole name image likeness thing started that ended in a month from now or in two or three days or or two or three weeks from now when players will be able to capitalize off their name, image, and likeness. It started in 2011 when Ed O'Bannon basically brought a suit to the NCAA saying, dude, you can't just use my name, image, likeness once I leave college sports. You shouldn't be able to use it at all. And so that, that lawsuit, again, started in 2011 and it got settled in 2016, okay? And basically, I bring this up to say, since the, the Ed O'Bannon case went final in 2016, okay, 2016, we have known this name image likeness stuff was coming down the pike. Ed O'Bannon fought the NCAA on this, and you knew that eventually it was going to evolve into something else uh, in, in a bigger way. The reason we canceled NCAA basketball is because a judge determined the NCAA cannot just use people's name, image, and likeness in a video game. And so rather than Mark Emmert, as Dan Lust explained on Monday's show, rather than Mark Emmert being pro- proactive, progressive, whatever, and saying, here, Take a couple thousand dollars uh, and we'll use your name, image, likeness on this show, uh, on this video game. He canceled the video game. And so as soon as that lawsuit went final, you knew eventually we were going to get to the place that we are at now, which is athletes capitalizing on their name, image, likeness. So why wasn't Mark Emmert progressive and proactive at that point? Instead, what did he do? 
you know, he, 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 he retreated to his bunker in Indianapolis. He disappeared. The topic wasn't brought up until 2019 when Gavin Newsom and LeBron James brought the first name image likeness bill in the state of California. It was passed and essentially players could not be punished for capitalizing on their name image likeness. Since then, a bunch of new states have made the decision to do the same. We talked about it on Monday's show, Florida, Oklahoma, Tennessee, whatever. And I bring it up, or Texas, not Tennessee. And I bring it up to say, this was something that we knew was going to happen starting at the very least in 2011, if not 2016, when Ed O'Bannon won his case against the NCAA. So Mark Emmert had five years to figure out, like, hey, what's the plan? What are we going to do? How are we going to figure this out? Instead, what happens? He waits, he waits, he waits, he waits, he waits. California passes a law. Waits, he waits, he waits, he waits, he waits. A bunch of other states pass a law that go into effect July 1st, 2021, literally a week from now, 10 days from now, whatever. And you know what happens? Mark Emmert knows for two years that come July 1st, 2021, states are going to be able to have athletes capitalize on their name, image, likeness. And what does Mark Emmert decide to do? He decides to wait until June of 2020, and then he goes to Congress and complains and says, we need your help, we can't figure this out. It's like, dude, you've known at the very least for five years this was coming, if not at least two, when the Gavin Newsom law went into effect, and you're waiting until a month before to figure out this monumental, earth-shattering thing. And so again, to me, this speaks to who he is as a leader. I'll take it a step further. Remember, it's June 2021 right now, okay? Where were we at in June of 2020 last year? It wasn't a good time. It wasn't a good time for our country, for sports, for whatever. But what do you also remember about this time last year? You know what I remember? I remember conference by conference, different conferences deciding to cancel college football. The Ivy League started, then we had some FBS, then we had the MAC, then we had this, then we had the Big Ten, then we had the Pac-12. Where was Mark Emmert? He's in charge of the whole NCAA. And I understand there are limitations and there are things he couldn't do. And ultimately, it was going to be up to every single uh, conference to make the decision that they deemed was best for them. But at the end of the day, the guy in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of the biggest, you know, crisis isn't the right word, but this was a monumental thing. And rather than being at the forefront, rather than being at the face, rather than saying, Greg Sankey, Kevin Warren, call me, let's work together, let's figure things out. He hid in his bunker and was afraid to do anything. And so, I'm sorry, when you look at name image likeness, when you look at COVID, I'll say this, when you look at the transfer stuff, and I don't want to get too much into it, but he put together all these working groups. These coaches basically said it's a bad idea. We're going to get hundreds, if not thousands of kids transferring every year. And he basically ignored it. And so it's like, what are we even doing, Mark Emmert? And so to me, this all speaks to the fact he is the worst a uh, 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 person of power in athletics that I have seen in my entire life watching sports. What I would say is, I know some of you will sit there and say, I heard some of you tell me this earlier, like, well, Torres, I mean, come on, he's made the school so much money. Do not give him credit for that. Because that's the big thing, right? You can sit there and say, well, you know, he hasn't done this, he hasn't done that, but the schools are all making money hand over fist. That's the Roger Goodell argument. Well, everybody hates Roger Goodell, but he's made his owners so much money. But there's a big difference. Roger Goodell made the NFL a lot of money. Mark Emmert hasn't made college athletics bupkis. You know who makes the SEC money in these TV negotiations? The SEC. It ain't Mark Emmert negotiating the SEC's contract. It's Greg Sankey. It was Mike Slive before that. Big Ten, Kevin Warren, Jim Delaney before that. Um, 
you know, uh, uh, Pac-12, they don't make money, so let's not even include them. Uh, the ACC, John Swafford, whoever the new guy is, whatever. I bring it up to say, everyone wants to say, well, I mean, but, but Mark Emmert, he's made so much money for his schools. Mark Emmert hasn't made anything for anybody. Mark Emmert sucks at his job. I'm sorry to say it, but it's the truth. He sucks at his job. That's the bottom line. And there is no reason to give him credit for making these schools, these conferences, these athletic departments money because he didn't do anything. It was the conferences and the schools themselves. And so when I look at the Mark Emmert regime, I'm just telling you, it is the most incompetent that I've ever seen. It is the least progressive I've ever seen. It's the least forward thinking that I've ever seen. And I'm done ranting and raving. I'm done yelling and screaming. But he is, in my opinion, the worst leader in sports that I have seen since I began watching sports, following sports, covering sports. I've never seen anything like him. I should say he was just given an extension a few months ago by the school presidents, which was idiotic as, as you know what. And I'm worried about the future of college sports. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm not saying it's going to be awful. And look, I say this all the time, but at the end of the day, we're still going to play great college football games on Saturday. Conference tournaments, the NCAA tournament's going to be awesome. A home game at Duke, a home game at Michigan State, a home game at Kansas, a home game at Kentucky are going to be awesome. The College World Series, which we'll talk about in a minute, is going to be awesome. I am just telling you straight up, this guy is incompetent, and it has been a net negative for college sports since he got in. I wish he hadn't been given an extension. I wish the school presidents that signed off on that uh, had been smarter. But at the end of the day, he is the worst leader and administrator that I have seen in athletics. Really quickly, we're going to get to the NBA momentarily. I do want to just give a little bit of a positive shout out on the college athletics scene. And very quickly, I just want to shout out, uh, how about, the College World Series. Told you a few weeks ago, I'm a college baseball guy now. Love me some college baseball. Nobody's loved college baseball more than anybody, more than your boy Torres. Uh, but I just want to give a quick shout out. It has been awesome. We are down to now seven teams in Omaha as I record on Monday night. Arizona was officially eliminated by Stanford in the Pac-12 in the losers bracket on Tuesday, Tennessee will play Texas, so one more team will be eliminated, but this has just been awesome, okay? So we have seen all sorts of crazy performances, record-setting, the Vanderbilt game to open the tournament, went extra innings, it went 12 innings, they went in 12. On Monday, I should mention one of the best pitching duels I've seen in a long time, Jack Leiter, who is the son of Al Leiter, he is a pitcher for Vanderbilt, this kid was a stud. Uh, he threw, check this out as a stat line, eight innings pitched, 15 strikeouts, 123 pitches, and he lost. Vanderbilt lost one nothing to NC State, but shout out to Jack Leiter, shout out to NC State, who has been maybe the most impressive team over the last two weekends. They obviously won at the number one ranked team in the country, Arkansas, last week in the Super Regional, and then this weekend they go to Omaha, open up 2-0 and with wins over Arizona and also uh, uh, Vanderbilt on Tuesday, on Monday night, excuse me. But the World Series has been awesome. I should mention Mississippi State, their pitcher had 15 strikeouts as a team. Mississippi State had 21 strikeouts, which set a College World Series record. And I'll just say this, if you like baseball at all, the College World Series has been awesome. I encourage you to check it out. It has been a lot of fun. Not going to lie, my 
Vanderbilt over Texas pick is on the brink as NC State is in the winner's bracket as I record here. Uh, Mississippi State is playing uh, Virginia also in the winner's bracket on Tuesday. So really, really, really fun. Just want to give those guys credit. They are, you know, it's just been a really fun event. It's been really fun to follow college baseball. And if you're not watching, I encourage you to do so. All right. This is what I think we're going to do. We are going to take a quick break. I am going to come back and talk a little bit of NBA. And I know some of you are thinking, Torres, why are you talking NBA? That's not yeah, that's not what you do on this show. You're a college sports podcast. And I generally agree. What I would just say to that is very simple, is that, yes, this is a college sports podcast, but never forget, especially when it comes to basketball, maybe even more than football, like, we're all just basketball fans, right? And a lot of the guys that are now starring in the NBA are guys that I've talked about on this podcast. Trey Young was a constant topic on this podcast during the 2018 college basketball season, the first season this show launched. Um, You know, Ben Simmons, Devin Booker, these were guys before I launched this podcast, I covered college basketball. So I know these guys, I've covered them forever. Ben Simmons, I remember interviewing him before his freshman year at LSU. Uh, uh, Trey Young, you know, you go on and on down the list. I have, uh, uh, you know, talked to a lot of these kids, covered a lot of them. And the playoffs have been really fun. You know, I mean, we had two great sevens over the two great game sevens over the course of this weekend. So I want to talk a little bit about that. Uh, But we're going to talk a little bit of NBA, have a little bit of fun. It's a bonus episode. Didn't get to talk all the fun sports stuff on Monday. So I'm going to take a quick break. I will come back and we will talk a little bit of NBA. All right, everybody, I am back and. Uh, I want to wrap the show, like like I kind of said off the top, is that, listen, Monday's show was an important show. To be abundantly clear, it was important. Uh, What happened with the Supreme Court was a very important thing to discuss. It needed greater breakdown, but it did get a little nerdy law talk there. And by the way, thank you to my buddy Dan Lust, because without him, I would have been completely lost on that show. But I bring all this up to very simply say that we really didn't talk a ton of sports. And so what today's show was intended to be, which I just talked about to lead the show, is that today's show is supposed to be like a sports show, right? This is the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. It's supposed to be fun. We're supposed to talk sports. And I want to wrap on the NBA. And to be clear, I know this isn't an NBA podcast, and I know most of you aren't diehard NBA fans, but we're getting to the point where like, people are watching these games. We had two Game 7s over the course of this weekend. We had the Bucks nets on Saturday, which was an iconic. I, that was one of the best NBA games I've seen in a long time. We had Philly and uh, Atlanta on sun- Sunday night. And the bottom line is, again, you guys love sport. Uh, you guys not only love sports, you love basketball. You wouldn't listen to this podcast if you did not love basketball. And a lot of these guys that are starring now in the NBA are guys that I have talked about on this podcast. I've talked about Trey Young on this podcast. I covered Ben Simmons when he was in high school. I covered Devin Booker to a degree when I was when he was in high school. I'm not going to say that I was at every single one of his high school games, but I remember him being in high school. And so what I just want to do is just a couple reactions, a couple thoughts from the weekend that was in the NBA. I I promise we're not going to dive deep. We're not going to talk about uh, Philadelphia's cap space or anything like that. But there were some some interesting things, some fun things that I do want to talk about. I, want, I, I kind of came up with five things, five themes from the weekend that I want to talk about. The first one, I think these NBA playoffs have actually been a great platform for not only the NBA, but for specifically 
the younger players. And what's interesting to me is this, is that a couple things. One, the NBA in many ways during the regular season cannot get out of its own way. There's a lot of headlines that I don't think appeal to the mainstream audience. You have load management. You have guys sitting out. You have guys getting involved in political issues, and this isn't a political show, and I'm not telling you which side of the fence to be on, but when you get involved in political issues, you are naturally going to ostracize half of the audience. And so I'm not saying NBA players don't have the right to have a political opinion, an opinion outside of basketball, but sometimes it just it does get to be like, man, can we just talk about basketball? And so I bring it up because I think these NBA playoffs have been a great platform specifically for the young guys. And it's really interesting because I remember going back to last year at this time when we were getting ready for the NBA bubble. And the one thing I said was, look, there are a lot of really talented young players in the NBA. And I think the bubble is going to be a great platform for them. And it was, and America got to know who Luka Doncic is, and they got to know who Devin Booker was uh, at that time. They didn't make the playoffs, but they were 8-0 in the bubble. Uh, America got to know who Donovan Mitchell was, Jamal Murray, on and on and on and on and on. And I believe that this NBA playoffs has been an extension of that. What do I mean? It is that we spend so much time in the media focusing on the two to three marquee players in this league. Let's be honest, we know who they are. It's usually LeBron James. It's usually Kevin Durant. It's usually Kawhi Leonard. It's maybe Kyrie Irving. And all these guys are out of the playoffs right now. Same with James Harden, same with Russell Westbrook. And what I do believe, Steph Curry, I should mention, Draymond Green, all those guys, I believe that these NBA playoffs are going to be a great thing for the future of the NBA because the one thing about the NBA, they got to start developing that next wave of stars. And so to see Trey Young, a guy that I've talked about in this podcast, a guy that I was critical of when he was in college at Oklahoma, to see him elevate his game. I know he wasn't great in game seven, but overall he's been an awesome in these playoffs. To see Devin Booker emerge into a superstar, have a 40-point triple-double on Sunday afternoon for the Phoenix Suns, like it just makes you feel like, oh my goodness, we got a lot of really young talent in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell, I know that he is no longer in the playoffs, but he was awesome in that Western Conference semifinal against the Clippers. Before he got hurt, he was averaging like 40 points a game. Uh, Giannis, I, I, we're going to talk about him in a minute, but he has been getting better as these playoffs have gone on. And so my first kind of big takeaway is, just shout out to the NBA, because I do believe that a lot of these guys, uh, while, while everybody wants to say, oh, there's no LeBron, what does it mean? There's no KD, what does it mean? There's no... I think it's been a great platform. I think it's great to build up that next generation of stars. And now, by the way, people know who Devin Booker is. They know who Trey Young is. My wife the other day was asking me, hey, uh, who's that bookie guy that, uh, that's dating Kendall Jenner? And I was like, it's, uh, it, it, it's uh, Devin Booker. He's awesome. So that was my first takeaway. I actually think these NBA playoffs have been a great platform for these young players. Number two, I'm just going to say it. I feel bad for Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is probably the single biggest talking point coming out of the Eastern Conference semifinals, the second round playoff series uh, between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Atlanta Hawks. I know you are all watching, but Sunday night, Atlanta takes game seven in Philadelphia. Philadelphia actually lost three games at home during that series. And what was so interesting about it was the continued de-evolution, I don't even know if that's a word, of Ben Simmons. Former number one overall pick, max player. How about this? Ben Simmons was an NBA All-Star this year in 2021, and he melted down in these playoffs to the point that, how about this? 
He took a total of seven shots in the fourth quarter over the course of the entire series and was basically afraid to shoot. If you watched Game 7, there was a crucial play in Game 7 where it was 88-86, Philly was down by two, Ben Simmons was going in for an uncontested dunk, and he got afraid of the of the fact that he was going to miss a shot, and he passed it up, and it ended up being a really crucial play in the series to the point that they asked Joel Embiid after the game, they said like, dude, what do you believe was the single biggest play of this game that cost you the game? He goes, it was when we were going in for a tie. We passed the ball. We were only going in for one. We only got one one foul shot. And so if you if you listen to that, like Joel Embiid was throwing his teammate under the bus, but he was also being honest in that moment about what cost them the game in his opinion. So why do I bring it up? It is because Ben Simmons is going to be the single biggest fascinating topic in this offseason. This is a guy that, as I said, he's a max player. He's going to make $33 million next year, and he's a guy that can't shoot and you can't play him in crunch time. And I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever seen a player in the middle of a very productive career just completely lose the confidence that Ben Simmons has. We've seen it in other sports. We've seen it with pitchers or baseball players that, that that can't throw, that get the yips. We've seen it even with Markel Fultz, ironically, with the Philadelphia 76ers. But Markel Fultz never played an NBA game before he got the yips. Ben Simmons was an all-star this year and all of a sudden was unable to shoot. I should mention, by the way, his free throw percentage for, these, for this series, 31%, was the lowest uh, uh, free throw percentage in the history of the NBA playoffs for an entire series. And so when I look at Ben Simmons, like I said, this is going to be the single most fascinating topic of the offseason because of the fact that I don't think you can bring him back if you're Philadelphia. If you're trying to win a championship and you believe the guys that you have there, Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, uh, not Ben Simmons, I just said Ben Simmons, no, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry, if you believe those guys are capable of winning a championship, then you can't bring him back because he can't play in crunch time. On the flip side, I don't know who trades for Ben Simmons. You're not going to get a team that's actually good and actually competitive that's willing to trade for him because you can't bring in a player that makes 30 plus million dollars a year that you can't play in crunch time. So is there a scenario where he gets traded to a really crappy team and they just eat his contract and you get a, you send him a bunch of draft picks to take the contract? It's possible. But I'll say this is that I think it's the single most interesting thing is what happens to Ben Simmons this offseason. I would also say, to kind of summarize the point that I led with, I actually just feel bad for Ben Simmons because I will tell you, um, you know, I, I said this off the top, but I've seen all these guys coming up. So so I've been kind of in the college basketball space for about almost a decade now. And I bring it up to say I've seen basically every good high school player that has come out of high school in the last probably about 10 years. I have seen Cade Cunningham when he was in high school. I've seen Julius Randle, Aaron Gordon, the Harrison Twins. I've seen Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz, De'Aaron Fox. I've seen... Ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, whatever. And I'm just going to tell you, and you're going to laugh when I say this, Ben Simmons is the best high school player I've ever seen. Cade Cunningham was probably number two. Ben Simmons was number one. Six foot 11, handles the ball, great passer, great sense of the floor, nice mid-range jumper. Remember, when he was coming out of high school in 2015, six years ago, you didn't have to be able to shoot threes like Steph Curry to be successful in the NBA. He was the single most dominant high school player I've ever seen. And now I don't know what the future, uh, what his future is in the NBA. Is somebody going to give him a shot? Of course. 
He's six foot eleven and is the best passer on the floor. I just don't know what his future is. Single most fascinating story coming out of round two. Number three story. How about my Milwaukee Bucks? That's right. If you have been following me on Twitter, you know that in general, I, I was not a big fan of Milwaukee early in this series. And what it essentially boils down to is this. If you listen to this podcast, you know that through most of the winter, I'm focused on college football from basically November, December, obviously from the beginning of the year. But once basketball starts, October, November, December, I'm focused on college football, do a ton of college basketball November through March. I don't get to watch a ton of the regular season. And every single year, we got the NBA media stuffing Giannis and the Bucks down my throat. And so when James Harden gets hurt in game one and the Bucks still got destroyed, I said, same old Bucks. They stink. They're not good. I don't get it. And obviously, look, the Bucks had some 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 luck on their side. Kyrie Irving gets hurt in whatever it was, game four. Um, from there, James Harden comes back, but he's clearly not a 100%. And so I bring it up to say the Bucks, to their credit, did advance. And I want to give them a quick shout out because I did not think when they were down early, when they were down late in Brooklyn, I did not think they had enough mental fortitude, enough physical fortitude. I did not think they had what it took to get to the Eastern Conference Finals and to beat the Brooklyn Nets. Instead, what they did, they showed mental toughness. They got stops on defense. Giannis actually played well in Game 7, 40 points in Game 7. And so I want to give the Bucks some credit. And what I would also say is it's interesting because we are heading into the uh, second game of the Western Conference Finals tonight. Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals will be on Wednesday. And I bring all this up just to very simply say, that I kind of believe that, uh, well, I don't believe. The Bucks are the favorites in Vegas, and I believe they're probably, uh, should probably be the favorites based on the fact that they have home court advantage, all that kind of stuff. But I just want to give them a little bit of credit because I was very critical of them, and I also think that to their credit, they kind of figured out how to win games, and they figured out how to win games with a style that works. And I thought it was very interesting. The final two games of that series, they basically did not let Giannis shoot threes. I know he shot six in game seven, but if you really watch the game, I think he had one after halftime. He took a lot of long shots early, but they basically figured out, Giannis, you should not be playing more than five feet from the paint. On top of that, uh, Chris Middleton, we are going to go to you late in games, and so the Bucks. I want to give him a quick shout out. Also, got to give shout out to, uh, got to give some quick shout out to Kevin Durant. Listen, if you listen to anything that I do, you know that I have in fact been critical of Kevin Durant. But at the same time, I got to give him credit because this guy was an absolute, to use a bad pun, he was a warrior in game seven, 46 point, 48 points, whatever it ended up being. He was incredible, ran out of gas. Obviously, if his foot was a half an inch behind, they would have won in regulation, that incredible three-pointer. But Kevin Durant coming back, showing how incredibly gifted he is, I did want to give him a quick shout-out. Finally, uh, last two points really quick. Uh, One, listen, I'm just going to say this. I love the Phoenix Suns, and the Phoenix Suns are kind of the antithesis of everything that's going on in the NBA right now. You got to get old. You got to have veterans. You got to do this. You got to do that, and the Suns are so interesting because they're young, they're dynamic, and they're fun. Devin Booker, you know, I don't I don't know where he ranks in terms of the best players in the playoffs, but when you go, when Chris Paul's out with COVID, which is another conversation, don't need to get into that, uh, when, Chris Co- when Chris Paul is out with COVID and Devin Booker goes for 40 a 40-point triple-double. It shows you how gifted he is. It shows how talented DeAndre Ayton is, Mikhail Bridges is. I just really like this team. 
Chris Paul, all reports are that he will not play game two, but at the very least, they will get a split. Obviously, I'm recording before game two. Hopefully, he's back by game three. And if he's back by game three, I really do think that the Suns win this series. They, to me, I don't know if they're going to win the championship. I do believe they are the best team left in these playoffs. Fascinated to watch that series unfold. And then finally, number five, super random. Just want to give a quick shout out to the U.S. Olympic team. And why am I shouting out the U.S. Olympic team? It's because we're starting to get a feel for who will play in this upcoming 2020, uh, 2021, excuse me, Olympics. And so why do I bring it up? It's because Kevin Durant is committed to play. Damian Lillard has apparently committed to play. Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, et cetera, et cetera. Probably won't get LeBron. Probably won't get AD off the injury. Probably won't get Kyrie. But we are going to have a really fun Olympic basketball portion of the Olympics. Really excited, uh, and I cannot wait. <sighs> All right. I think that's it after that heavy, long pause. I think that's it for this episode of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Like I said, wanted to do a little bonus episode. I hope you liked it. Something different. Talked about a lot of different stuff, but it just felt like to me, uh, after Monday's nerd sesh, uh, talking uh, all sorts of law stuff, that it was a good idea to do something different and to talk a little sports. And obviously with the NBA, there was no NBA on Monday, so I thought it was fun to just talk a little bit of NBA. But that is all for today's show. I want to thank you guys for listening. If you're not already subscribed, please make sure to do so. iTunes, the Podcast Addict app, Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres podcast. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead, give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, all that good stuff. Make sure you're following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Aaron Torres pod on Instagram, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com, Aaron Torres podcast questions at gmail.com. I will be back Thursday. I mentioned it off the top. The NBA draft lottery is actually this week. I will talk about the lottery. I will talk about the NBA draft, what players are still testing the waters that matter. Johnny Juzang, Davion Mintz, a couple guys from Bama, Hunter Dickinson from Michigan, Michigan, excuse me. So we will get into that on Monday. But that's all for today. Shout out to Torrent Craig. Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Hope you enjoyed the bonus episode. I'll be back Thursday. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.